0: Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you'll take your scriptures in hand, and turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. First John chapter 4, we're going to be reading verses 7 through 10 in just a moment. We're continuing our series for the Christmas season titled Christmas, Good News in Troubled Times. And with all the stress and worry and chaos and war that we see in the world, we need good news. And this morning's message is titled Experience Love, Experience Love. You know, Christmas has often been referred to as a season of love. And there are all sorts of romantic Christmas songs and movies about falling in love. And the movies are filled with themes of people falling in love. And it always amazes me how they even romanticize songs like Silent Night and they're dancing to Silent Night and oh, that was the first time we kissed and I'm like hello? <laughs> you know. But anyway, they, they romanticize Christmas with all these themes of people falling in love and families reconciling broken relationships and people just generally being nicer and kinder and more generous at Christmas time. But the challenge of this seasonal emphasis on love is that it's a temporary thing. But the true message of Christmas is about a true and abiding love that transforms our lives and the way that we treat others every single day, not just at Christmas, amen? Read with me if you will, First John chapter 4, we're reading verses 7 through 10. The scripture says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. You know, even though this passage may not generally be thought of as a Christmas passage, Verse 9 particularly is the message of Christmas. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. In fact, this is the message of the entire Bible. As one writer states, God is love, and the Bible is his love story for all humanity. And love is the main theme of First John. In fact, John uses the word love, loved, loves, and loving 46 times in this short book as he speaks about God's love for us, our love for God, and our love for one another. So in this message today, I pray that by the Holy Spirit, you will experience God's love in a fresh and living way. I pray that his love will transform you and that you will become an expression of his love to others. The first thing I want us to see is that God is the source of true love. If you're looking for true love anywhere outside of God, you're not going to find it. God is the source of true love and his love is embodied in Christ. And we need to understand that love is not an emotion. You know, too many people think love is an emotion. And that's why, you know, when they first meet somebody and they fall in love, and then a few years later they fall out of love, maybe not even a few years later, maybe just a few weeks later, who knows. But love is not an emotion. Love is actually a person. The the word love is one of the most misused and misunderstood words in the world today. People use the word love in a variety of ways, most of which are self-centered. We say, I love you, but what we mean is, I love you when you meet my needs. I love you when you make me happy. I love you when you make me feel good about myself. I love you when we agree, but if we disagree, then you become my enemy. I love you when you go along with what I want. I love you when you please me. Those are many of the ways that we mean the word I love you. But God defines true love for us, and he doesn't just give us a dictionary definition of love. He actually demonstrates what true love is by who he is and by how he acts towards us. Love is a person. God is love. And Jesus personifies the love of God. And his love is selfless. His love is sacrificing. His love is unconditional. It's not I love you if. He just says I love you. Amen. His love is unconditional and his love is unchanging. Somebody will say I love you today and tomorrow they'll wipe your name off the face of the earth. Amen. Human love changes. But God's love is unchanging. For God, love is not a momentary emotion. It is who he is. God is love. Love is not something that God feels. It is his very nature. He can't be anything other than love. And he showed us how much he loves us by sending his one and only son into the world to die for us so that we might have eternal life through him. Just think, if love was a feeling, when Jesus agonized in the Garden of Gethsemane, he could have said, you know what, I don't like the way that I feel right now. I don't want to do this. It's too painful. When he hung up on the cross, he could have said, you know, I'm suffering so much. This is too hard. It's too painful. I don't feel like doing this then we would all be still hopelessly lost in our sin, headed to an eternity of damnation. But folks, love is not a feeling. It is who God is. And he did not leave us in our sin. He acted in love to save us. Love does not define God. God defines love. God is the meaning of love. He has always been love and he will always be love. Love. Now that doesn't mean that he's not all, also holy, and he's righteous, and he ju- he's just, and he judges sin. But even in the midst of all of that, his love overrides. That's why he made a way for our salvation through the sacrifice of his own son. Because he must judge sin, because he's a holy God. He's a righteous God. But his love and his justice met at the cross of Calvary and made a way for us. To be forgiven made a way for us to be saved one theologian explained that god created the world because the love that is himself overflows what does that mean you know, love always desires to share, to give, to act on behalf of others. That's why at this Christmas season, when we, when we uh, celebrate, we love to give gifts to our loved ones, right? Because love always desires to be a blessing to those that we love, to, to do good things for them. And God created the world. He created humankind. Not because he was needy of our love and worship, but because he is love and his love overflowed. He wanted to share himself, he wanted to share his goodness with us. Another author writes, God created out of the overflow and superabundance of his generous self-giving fullness. The Garden of Eden was a paradise of delight and blessing that bore witness to the bounty of God's goodness and love. Folks, we got to get that in our spirit. Suffering, sickness, pain, abuse, war was never God's intention. None of that was in the Garden of Eden. Hello? Yet when these things happen, mankind is so easy to blame God. Oh, we blame God because so-and-so got killed, or we blame God because children are abused, or we blame God because there's war in the world. That was never God's intention. All of that came into uh, our human experience when Adam and Eve rejected God, rebelled against him, and sinned. All of that is the result of humankind's sin. It is not the result of a loving, good, kind, gracious God, who created everything in perfection, everything in perfection. We know that sin disrupted that love relationship that God had with Adam and Eve as their choice to eat the forbidden fruit showed that they loved something else more than God. They loved themselves. They loved their desires. They loved their fleshly pleasures more than God. 2 Timothy 3, 4 talks about how humans become lovers of pleasures and self rather than lovers of God, and how that would intensify in the end times. And I don't think there's a time that more uh, illustrates this than today. People love pleasure. They will do anything to please themselves, to please the flesh, and they love themselves rather than loving God. And sin is what sets us at enmity against God we are set at enmity against God. But God is love. Our sin and rejection of him did not change who he is or his love for us. And folks, if someone chooses to reject God, he will love them until they walk through the gates of hell. He will continue to love them. It won't change their eternal destiny because we need to respond to God's love, amen? But his love abides. His love continues. So God is love and our sin and rejection of him does not change who he is or the fact that he loves us. He never stops loving us. Instead, our sin and rebellion became an occasion for an even greater demonstration of the overflow of God's superabundant love and goodness towards us. Paul writes this in Romans 5 8. He says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Folks, when we were at our worst, when we were in full-blown rebellion against God, still yet he loves us and he gave his son for us. Amen. When we were at our very worst, God gave his very best, his son Jesus Christ, to prove or demonstrate his love to us. And it is because of God's eternal, unchanging, unconditional, superabundant, overflowing love that he sent his son Jesus to be a sacrifice for our sins, that when we repent and place our faith in Jesus, our sins might be forgiven, we can receive eternal life, and we can have a personal relationship with God as our Father. That's what salvation is all about. Amen? And if you have not yet done so, we're going to give you an opportunity to place your faith in him and receive him as your Lord and savior at the end of this service. But you know, I read an interesting article about Whitney Houston. She was hailed as perhaps the greatest vocalist of all time, and she once stood atop the music industry as the queen of pop. Millions of fans world over loved and cheered for her. But when her abuse of drugs and other related habits finally robbed her of that golden voice, the crowd's cheers turned to jeers, to criticism, to rejection. And it left her reeling. The rejection of the multitudes left her reeling. And in a TV interview, she expressed her struggle with drugs and the pain of the fans turning against her. And she declared emphatically that despite all of this, I know this, Jesus loves me. It was a declaration she would assert repeatedly, even at the occasion of her final public appearance the night before she died of a drug overdose. Despite her flaws, her sins, her self-doubt, there was one thing she did not question, the love of Jesus. Now, folks, I don't know her spiritual state. I know she lived a sinful lifestyle. I know that she was addicted to drugs. I do not know in the last moments of her life if she repented and got right with God. But I do know that having been raised as a Christian, she clung to the truth that even when the world turned their back on her, God's love remained constant and unchanging. I don't know where she is today in heaven or in hell because we need to repent of our sins and receive Jesus. We need to respond to the love of God, amen? But I do know that that seed of God's word had been planted by her upbringing in in the Christian faith in her life. So, folks, it's important to bring your kids to church. It's important to pray with them and have devotions with them at home. And sow those seeds in their life from the time that they are children. Because you never know as an adult, even if they stray away from God, how God can use that seed in their life to minister to them. Amen? But those remembrances of God's love were God's reminders to Whitney, calling her to himself, calling her to repent, and calling her to return to her faith. He loves us even when we are at our very worst. And folks, he won't turn his back on us. Everybody else may turn their back on us. But we'll turn around, we'll find that he's still standing there. He's still standing there. And just as he reached out to bring us back to himself by giving Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins, he is still reaching out to us, calling us unto himself. Though Through the prophet Jeremiah, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Who is he speaking to? A backslidden Israel. An Israel that was worshiping idols. An Israel that was committing immorality. An Israel that had turned their back on him. But what does he say? I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Folks, that's the God that we serve. Even when we turn our back on him, even when we're walking away, even when we're in full rebellion against him like Israel, he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have not given up on you. And he still comes with unfailing kindness to draw us unto himself. Even though we deserve his judgment, his love moves him to kindness towards us to draw us back unto himself. You know, Jesus was kind to the hurting, the suffering, the sinner, the outcast, and it was his loving kindness that drew them unto himself. Let us never blame God for the pain, suffering, and evil in the world that is the work of sin and Satan, but God is love. And he draws us unto himself with kindness. God's love is real. God's love is tangible. Folks, you can experience God's love. You can feel God's love. God's love can change your life. His love is tangible, amen? And it is unchanging. And God's love is active as he pursues us with his kindness. He works in our life to draw us unto himself. God is drawing all of us with his love this morning. He's drawing those of us who already know him to a deeper faith and a deeper walk with him and he's drawing those who do not yet know him to come to him, to experience the forgiveness of sins, to receive his wonderful gift of eternal life and to enter into a love relationship with him as our father and we as his children. The question is, will you respond to his love today? Will you receive his love today and repent of your sins and place your faith in him? Because you see, God's love transforms us As we experience Christ. We don't have to try to change ourselves to get us to love God. To get God to love us. Amen. We come to God as we are and accept his love. But when we experience his love, guess what? His love changes us. His love does what we cannot do. We cannot change ourselves. When we experience God's love through a personal relationship with Christ, our life is changed we were all sinners we were all in rebellion against God like Adam and Eve when after they sinned we were running and hiding from God because let's get real when you don't know God you're on the run from him that's why when you witness to people they try to shut you down when you try to tell people about Jesus they say things like oh you know I could never come to church the ceiling will cave in or all sorts of things just to get out of the conversation why because they are running from God, because they are in sin. But you know what? Just like God came looking for Adam and Eve in the garden. Remember, God came looking for them, amen, in the Garden of Eden after they had sinned. And he came looking for them, not to, you know, chastise them or punish them. Why did he come looking for them? To reconcile them unto himself. He came looking for them to restore them to right relationship with him. And folks, he comes looking for us too. Not to beat us up, not to punish us, not to chastise us, but he came looking for us through sending his son Jesus into the world to die on the cross. He was looking for us to say, look, you messed up. You sinned big time. You deserve judgment, but I love you and I want a different future for you. And I'm giving my own son to make that possible. And folks, he is still looking for us today. And he's looking for you this morning. You're not here by accident. You're here because he's looking for you, because he loves you. And when we finally realize that he loves us and repent of our sins and place our faith in him, folks, that's when our life is changed. It is gloriously changed. I read the story of a boy who was a a really troublesome kid as he was growing up. And he was forever breaking the rules and getting into trouble at school and fights at school and getting into trouble at home. Now, now this kid, he was raised in church. He was raised in a loving and supportive family where they regularly had family devotions and they had times of prayer together. And his father just could not understand the reason that his son was so rebellious. And one day, when his son was upstairs in the bedroom playing with his baseball, which he had been told repeatedly not to do, the boy ended up breaking one of his bedroom windows. Now, this boy was 10 years old at the time, and he certainly knew better. And this, of course, was in the days when parents actually spanked their children. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm just talking about discipline. It was in a time when parents actually spanked their children before everybody became politically correct. Hallelujah. I was spanked. I was no worse for the wear. Amen. In fact, I thank God for the discipline that was in my life because it helped me be who I am today. Amen. Amen. That's just an extra sermon. There's no extra charge for that. But the Bible does say, spare the rod and spoil the child. Amen. Hallelujah. No, none of this nonsense. I'm going to count to three, honey. And if you don't straight. Hallelujah. I love y'all. And you got to love me too if you want to go to heaven. Amen. But the dad headed upstairs and he took off his belt. And the boy knew what was coming, so he bent over next to the bed, and the father said, Son, take this belt. The boy looked at him in shock, and the father knelt down next to the bed, and he said, I want you to give me seven lashes with this belt across my back with all of your might. His son started to cry and said, Dad, I I, I can't do that. I can't whip you like that. And his father insisted until his son finally gave in and struck him as hard as he could seven times on his back. When the boy was finished, the father used this as a teaching moment and shared how that's what God has done for us in sending Jesus to take the punishment that we deserved. He said, son, that's how much the father and Jesus loves us. That one moment deeply touched his son. And from that day forward, the boy was changed. He wasn't perfect, because nobody is. But he didn't keep on walking in rebellion and getting in trouble as he had before. Folks, the message of God's love displayed on the cross of Christ forever changed this boy's life. And when we experience God's love and receive it by faith, it will forever change us as well. I know that it changed my life. Amen? Has it changed yours? God's love changes us, and it changes us for the better. When we experience God's love through Christ... We want to love him back. I mean, his love is so wonderful. His love is so precious that we want to love him back. Verse 10 says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Folks, we did not love God. We did not love God. We were in sin. We were in rebellions against God. But you know what? He first loved us. He took the initiative. He acted on our behalf. He acted for our good. He acted to save us from our sin. And when we experience that love, it changes us. It changes our desires. Our love is simply a response to his overflowing love towards us. We, when we experience his love, when we experience his goodness, we just want to give our life back to him and say, Lord, I just want to please you with all that I am. So our love is simply a response to his overflowing love towards us. Our heart is filled with love for God, and we willingly want to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to live a life that is pleasing and acceptable to him. We live for God and seek to do his will, not because we're scared of him and we want to avoid hell. We live for God and do his will, not out of duty, not out of obligation, not out of ritual, but out of love. It is a delight and it is our privilege to love him back by living our life in a way that pleases him. It brings us great pleasure, great joy to do so. A third principle, God's love flows through us as Christ lives in us. When we have experienced God's love through Christ, love then characterizes our life, or at least it should be if he's living inside of us, amen? When we have experienced his love through Christ, love, his love overflows our life. In fact, the Bible says in verses 7 and 8 that the proof that we have been born of God and that he's living in us and we in him is our love for others. It is how we treat others. You know, in the natural, we have children and they have our DNA. Our nature has been genetically passed on to them. So oftentimes they look, look like us sometimes they their voice even has the same tonal quality as us in many ways their personality may be similar to ours amen but the same is true when we are born of god his spiritual dna is is embedded upon our soul, amen, as his Holy Spirit comes and works inside of us. The Bible says we are born again by his everlasting seed, amen. His DNA is implanted in us, and guess what? Because he is love, if he's living inside of us, then we are loving, amen. Got awful quiet in here. We don't have to try to love, His nature is in us. His nature is in us. The fruit of the Spirit, the work of his Holy Spirit in us, the chief fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Love. And that should characterize our life. Think about that the next time you're sitting in the restaurant and your service is poor and you want to get ready to give the waitress or the waiter a piece of your mind. And you say, I'm a child of God. His nature lives in me. And I'm going to show love. Hallelujah. Amen. Because folks, you don't know what that waitress or that waiter is going through. And you might be the only Jesus that they see. So always show the love of Jesus. And it's not hard to do when he's living inside of you. Now, if you're trying to do it in your own strength, it's hard to do. Because I'm going to let you in on a little secret. There are a lot of people that are hard to love. Sometimes we're included in that number. Hallelujah. But you know what? God loves everybody. And when he's living inside of us, he enables us to love everybody. Even the ones that are Hard to love. Amen. I was waiting on that, because that was, that was a good preaching point. And that's where we can say amen or oh me. Amen. Amen. When we experience God's love through Christ, we will love others. And love is a verb, so it requires action, meaning that we will be more gracious, kind, encouraging, patient, caring, and helpful towards others. Not just when we're in church, because Jesus lives in us not just when we're in church. He lives in us at work. He lives in us at the long line at the grocery store where somebody who is an avid couponer and has 500 coupons is standing in front of us. And the love of Jesus just radiates through us to them. Hallelujah, and folks, when he lives inside of us, we will love beyond boundaries. Think of all the different people that were brought together by the coming of Jesus that first Christmas. Zachariah and Elizabeth, priests of the priestly family, probably somewhat powerful and wealthy. Mary and Joseph, a carpenter from a poor village impoverished, young Mary and Joseph, old Zechariah and Elizabeth, the shepherds and the angels, the bringing together of the heavenly and the earthly, Simeon and Anna, a Jewish prophet and prophetess, and the magi from the east, pagan astrologers from an occult culture. They were noble and wealthy, the opposite of the poor shepherds, but God's love expressed in sending his son, bridged all of those divides, and brought all of those different people together through Christ. You know what? Paul said, I no longer see anyone in the flesh. I only see them through Christ. What does that mean? It means that we don't see whether someone is black or Asian or Hispanic or white we love them because God loves them we don't see whether someone is wealthy or poor we love them because God loves them we don't see whether someone is a good Christian going to church every Sunday and living for Christ or someone is living in the world we still love them now our call to how we respond to them is differently but we still love them because God loves them amen He wants to love them through us. He wants us to be the instruments to make his love manifest in the world today to those who are old, to those who are young, to those who are near, to those that are far, to those that are religious, to those that are ungodly, to those that are like us, to those that are unlike us, to those that are of our culture and our language, and to those that are of other cultures and languages and races and ethnicities. We are called to be the expression of his love to them. Amen? God living in us will love through us. And that ought to be our ongoing prayer, God love through me. You know, a public school was having a Christmas pageant. And of course, there was supposed to be nothing religious about it, just Santa and reindeer and snowmen and the like, you know how it is nowadays. And the kindergarten was going to sing the song, Christmas Love, and as they sang, Each child was going to hold up a piece of poster board with one of the letters of the title of the song, Christmas Love. So as they began to sing the song, the first child held up the C in Christmas. The next child held up the H and so forth until they had held up all the letters to spell Christmas Love. But everything was going well until the small girl who was supposed to lift up the M in Christmas raised up her letter and everybody started to laugh but at the end absolute silence came over the entire theater because she had held up the m upside down and so instead of christmas love being spelled out christ was love is the message that was spelled out amen this little girl with the mistaken M, had brought the true message of Christmas to that school play that day. The true meaning of Christmas, God sent his son into the world to be his love personified, to bring his love down to us, to make his love known to us, to give his life for us, to show us how much God loves us and to take our lives that were upside down with sin and make them right side up again. His love transforms us, and his love makes us more like him. It makes us expressions of his love in the world. Folks, I want you to know this morning, God loves you more than you can imagine. And of those of you who have not yet experienced his love, you are not here by accident this morning. You are here because God loves you, and he came looking for you, and he drew you here today because he wants a relationship with you. He wants you to be his child, and he loves you so much, he gave his own son, Jesus, to die for your sins to make that possible. And the first step to experiencing the love of God is to place our faith in Christ as the sacrifice for our sins and to repent of our sins. What does the word repent mean? It means to turn around. It means to make a U-turn. We recognize that we've been heading in the wrong direction, and we make a U-turn, and we say, God, forgive me, and, Lord, I turn to you, and I dedicate myself to follow you from this day forth. All of us were sinners. All of us we're separated from God. That's the whole reason that Jesus came, to pay the penalty for sin that we deserved, so that when we place our faith in him and repent of our sins, we can be forgiven, we can be saved, and we can have a relationship with God. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here today and you would say, pray for me, Pastor, I want to place my faith in Jesus, I want to be forgiven of my sins, and I want to have a relationship with God or maybe you did so years ago and you've drifted away and you need to come back and you would say, pray for me, Pastor, I wanna come back to Jesus. If you fit into either of those categories, pray for me, Pastor, I wanna repent, I wanna be forgiven, I wanna receive Jesus, or I wanna come back to Jesus, would you just slip your hand up and say, pray for me, Pastor, and you can put it right back down. Pray. Thank you for that hand, thank you for another hand. Is there anyone else? Thank you for another hand, thank you for another hand. Is there anyone else? Praise you, Jesus. Praise the Lord for all of these hands that have gone up. I'm going to ask those of you that raised your hand to pray a simple prayer with me and ask the entire congregation to pray it with these who are praying it perhaps for the first time this morning. Would you pray this prayer with me, dear Jesus? I believe that you are the Son of God. And I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins. Today. I repent, I turn away from my sinful life, and I turn to you in faith. I confess that I'm a sinner, and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. And I invite you to come live inside of me and help me from this day forward to live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you prayed that prayer, we congratulate you on making the best decision of your life. Amen. And we welcome you to the family of God. Now, that prayer was a beginning, not an ending. It's the start of a lifelong journey with the Lord. And we want to help you continue in that journey because you just took the first step. But we want to help you to take the next steps to keep growing. How how can we help you do that? First, by sending you free of charge a little booklet that will help you understand the prayer that you just prayed and the next steps to take to keep growing in the Lord. And to send you that booklet, we need your email address. So we're going to ask you just to send your email address to the number on the screen so that we can send you free of charge this little e-booklet. So if you've got your phone with you, if you would take it out, and if you just prayed that prayer, text your email address to the number on the screen. But once again, congratulations on making the best decision of your life. Amen. (laughs) For those who are already believers, you know, at times you may feel like a failure. At times you may feel like you've blown it. But your mistakes and failures do not change God's love for you. Just turn to him, repent, and receive his forgiveness and restoration. And you have an opportunity to do so this morning. And for all of us who are believers, let's ask God to change us, to make us more like him, and to love through us so that those who do not yet know him can experience him and come to salvation. If that's your heart's desire, would you stand to your feet? Just stand to your feet right where you are and say, God, I want your love to change me. I want to be more like you. I want your love to flow through me to others. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, What a wonderful response. Let's just take a moment right where you're standing and talk to Jesus and make that commitment to the Lord. Ask him to change you by his love, to make you more like him, to love through you. As I pray over us, you have a conversation with Jesus right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all of these who have stood to their feet. We thank you for your word. Because your word is wisdom that teaches us how to live. And Father, we pray this morning as your word is living and powerful that it would indeed change us, Lord God. Father, we pray today that all of us who have experienced your love would be changed by your love. Father, that the response of our heart would be to just want to live for you, to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice that is pleasing and acceptable in your sight because your love is so wonderful that we just want to love you back. And, Father, we pray that as we walk in your love, that your love would change us and make us more and more like Jesus and that your love would flow through us, Lord God, that we would be the instrument of Christ to make your love real in our workplace, in our neighborhood, among our family, and wherever we go. Let our lives be an instrument of your love so that others may come to know you as well. We ask you to do this in us by the work of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.